Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As a new wave of coronavirus cases engulf California, Governor Gavin Newsom has announced a new regional stay-at-home order. Areas of the state where ICU capacity dips below 15 percent will have to shut down bars, hair salons, and in-person dining, outdoor and indoor. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski has more. Governor Newsom pleaded with Californians to comply with this next round of closures by emphasizing that they will be temporary. And with the first shipments of a vaccine expected to arrive this month, he even referred to the current surge of the pandemic as the final surge. We have light at the end of the tunnel. This is not a marathon any longer. This is a sprint. The latest order is much more limited than the sweeping statewide shutdown last spring. This time, schools that have reopened can remain open. Retailers can still have people shop indoors, but at 20 percent capacity. And Newsom encouraged people to go outside. Take a bike ride. Go fishing. We want you uh, to exercise and go on a run with a partner within your household. Uh, Go sledding. While none of the state's regions have reached the tipping point yet of needing to close, almost all are expected to in the coming days and weeks. I think that this is a prudent and correct decision on the part of the governor. I do. Dr. Anthony Fauci from the National Institutes of Health said he told California authorities he backs them up on this call. And the reason is that you are all on a brink, literally on the threshold of getting the uh, almost unimaginable situation of getting the healthcare system overrun. You just can't let that happen. Officials are expecting infections from Thanksgiving to lead to a spike in hospitalizations by Christmas time. With this new stay-at-home order, Fauci says he hopes it will be a mini-surge instead of a major one. For the California Report, I'm April Dimbaski. Of course, many people are anxious and angry about the coronavirus directive, like restaurant owners. Jot Condi is president of the California Restaurant Association and spoke to our partner station, KPCC. I think we're all going to come out of this, you know, when the dust settles and we climb out of our bunkers and, you know, survey the landscape. And um, our, our, the restaurant industry, it's going to be a shadow of its former self. And now to the psychological toll of the coronavirus. One in three parents nationwide says the mental health of their child during the pandemic is stressful for them. That comes from a new Blue Shield of California survey. KQD's Alice Wolfley has more. The survey of nearly a thousand parents seeks to identify the main sources of stress for parents with children under 18. 
The survey was conducted in early October and found that when it came to education, nearly half of the parents were most concerned about COVID-19 health risks, followed by helping their children with remote learning and their child's mental health. The parents surveyed said they believed their children to be more stressed about COVID-19 and their social lives than the quality of education they were receiving during the pandemic. It also found that black parents were twice as likely to be stressed about discussing racial justice issues with their kids than white parents. For The California Report, I'm Alice Wolfley. It's California's political parlor game of the moment, trying to guess who Governor Gavin Newsom will pick to fill Kamala Harris's California U.S. Senate seat as she becomes vice president. Newsom's under pressure to select someone who reflects the state's diversity. But in a state as diverse as ours, that's no easy task. Here's KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer. On election day, before the outcome was even known, Governor Newsom was mulling over his choices to fill Kamala Harris's Senate seat. All these questions have to be worked through. And, uh, and is it a caretaker? Is it someone can turn around and win? Is it someone that's qualified that may not win? All these things have to be factored in and then the punditry around it. At the time, Newsom said it was not a decision he relished, knowing that whoever he appoints will leave some people unhappy. It would be a tremendous mistake to replace Kamala Harris with a, with a man. Oaklander Amy Allison founded She the People, which supports more political representation for women of color. To her, not appointing a black woman to replace Harris would be backsliding. If he does not, then what we have is a Senate with zero black women representation. And really, it's, it's that stark and it's that serious. Allison thinks Newsom has two great choices in Representatives Barbara Lee and Karen Bass, two black women who know Congress and would hit the ground running. It's not just identity. It's readiness to lead. Who will be ready in the Senate on day one? Jacqueline Martinez-Garcel is CEO of the Latino Community Foundation in Silicon Valley and part of a coalition pushing the governor to name the state's first Latino senator. It's about time that we have representation of the largest ethnic group of the state at the U.S. Senate. Garcel says it's about more than just making history. So it's not just having a Latino, it's someone who understands the immigrant experience here in California, what it's like to be part of a farm worker community and family and bring that voice and that representation to the U.S. Senate floor. That's what matters. One person who would fit that bill is Alex Padilla, California's Secretary of State. Padilla is the son of immigrants from Mexico and a longtime ally of Newsom. Some say Padilla has the inside track, but... The pressure he's getting from a range of, of, of different demographic communities makes it almost impossible for Newsom to satisfy all those groups. That's UC Berkeley political analyst Dan Schnur, who notes that appointments like these give politicians big IOUs, which could guide Newsom's thinking. So the advantage of him picking Secretary of State Alex Perdia or Attorney General Javier Becerra or another current statewide office holder is Newsom would actually get to make two statewide appointments. Schnur worked for the last California governor to name a U.S. senator, Pete Wilson, who chose John Seymour, a little-known state senator from Orange County. Seymour went on to lose the seat to Dianne Feinstein about a year later. Harris won't officially vacate her seat until she takes the oath of office on January 20th. But, says Jacqueline Martinez-Garcel, time is not Newsom's friend. Yeah, the longer he waits, the harder it's going to get. And he's going to piss more people off. And we know that's not something that he likes to do. 
With the pandemic continuing to surge in California, Newsom might prefer to wait for a less critical moment to make his big announcement. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer in San Francisco. A group of California district attorneys is asking the governor to take more immediate action to fight unemployment fraud in California's jails and prisons. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has more. In a letter to Governor Newsom this week, the prosecutors also say it was only the result of a federal subpoena that made the scope of the fraud clear to them, not any notification from the state. Anne-Marie Schubert is district attorney for Sacramento County. We were never proactively notified that there was um, fraud going on within the prison system. The DAs didn't get the subpoena results until November, but the governor and multiple state agencies had already been tracking fraud out of correctional facilities as early as August. DAs are also calling on Newsom to issue an executive order that would make it easier to identify fraudulent unemployment applications. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. Google is standing by its decision to surveil and then fire two employees who were organizing internally within the company. That even as the National Labor Relations Board decided against the tech giant in a complaint issued this week. KQED's Rachel Myro has more from our Silicon Valley desk. The NLRB complaint names two employees, both of whom Google fired just before Thanksgiving last year. One of them, site reliability engineer Lawrence Burland, was organizing against Google's decision to work with a corporate consultant known for helping firms fend off unionization efforts. You know, it's a terrible miscalculation on the part of these companies to kind of close ranks and fight back so aggressively against this. I think that probably... They correctly calculate that it'll give them a short-term sort of win, if you can ever think of it as winning, to be, you know, oppressing your own workforce. Berland says he and others across Silicon Valley continue to organize over a wide variety of issues, from better worker protections to protests against projects that offend their political principles. But if federal regulators backed Berland and another colleague, they did not issue a complaint against Google over three other employee activists fired around the same time, which doesn't add up to much of a deterrent to managerial misbehavior, says UC Hastings labor law professor Vina Ball. Aside from bad press, there's not a lot that is going to happen that will hurt Google. And the toothlessness of federal labor law, again, is the problem. She adds, though, that big tech is now in the target sites of federal lawmakers and regulators on both sides of the political aisle in D.C. And that is something likely to give Silicon Valley leadership pause going into 2021. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. This week on our sister show, The California Report magazine, they dedicate their entire program to a documentary about Luna Guzman, a transgender asylum seeker from Guatemala, and her long and sometimes agonizing journey to make it to California. Host Sasha Coca has been following her for more than two years to report the story. Hey, Sasha. Hi, Saul. So tell us about Luna. Well, you know, growing up in Guatemala, she knew she was transgender from a pretty young age and had a tough time of it. Her neighbors threw rocks at her on the street. At one point, she says they attacked her, broke her collarbone, and she was also pushed into a sex trafficking ring and uh, contracted HIV when she was a teenager. Her journey's kind of incredible because she was finally able to wrest back control of her life by becoming a firefighter. 
But then she faced a lot of homophobia and discrimination within the fire department. And that's when she decided she just had to try to come to California, a place where she thought she could really be herself. To follow my dreams, not so much to get ahead financially, but just to make enough money to pay for my transition. To flee the life I lived in Guatemala. Well, as we said earlier, you've been following Luna's story for over two years now. Where did you meet her? You know, back in 2018, I was in Tijuana reporting on the migrant caravans that were then arriving at the border. And I met her at a migrant shelter. At that point, she had already applied for asylum and spent eight months in the Otay Mesa Detention Center, which, you know, is just east of San Diego, and told me that she had faced incredible sexual harassment while in detention. Um, She had been deported, but she was not giving up on her dream of coming to California. And I think that's what struck me about her. She just had so much tenacity. One day, I want everyone who knows me to say, Luna Luna made it. She fought for her dreams, and they came true. You've traveled to visit her in ICE detention near San Diego, to Tijuana, and to Modesto for this story. Some listeners there who heard some of your earlier reporting on the California report stepped in to help her, and that became part of the documentary. Yeah, you know, they put on this drag performance to support Luna at this tiny bar in Modesto. It's called the Brave Bull, and it's one of the oldest gay bars in the state. It's not in L.A. or San Francisco, but the Central Valley. I just want to say thank you to everyone who comes out to support every time we perform. And a huge shout out to a friend of ours, um, Luna, who is a trans woman who has been deported. And we have been trying to show her so much love all the way from California. Thank you, everyone. You know, Saul, nobody knows exactly how many transgender asylum seekers there are. But one thing we do know is that LGBTQ migrants are about 100 times more likely to face sexual harassment and assault in detention. And that was certainly the case for Luna. All right. That is the California Report magazine's host, Sasha Coca. To find out more about Luna's story, listen to the documentary on the California Report magazine podcast or tune into your local station. And that is the California Report for Friday, December 4th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin, with assistance from Seal Muller. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great day, and remember, the pandemic numbers are getting worse. So stay at home if you can. That's what I'm doing. And wear a mask if you must go out. We're all in this together, California. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, personalcapital.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com, and Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968, licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 